This is a reminder, you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. And you are listening to The Breakfast Show this morning here on Faith FM. We're joined by myself, Lawson, and we've got Matthew in the studio as well, filling in for dinner. And we've got Pete in the studio as well, filling in for producer Shell. So we've got a we've got a boys team in here this morning, just getting it done, the fellas on Faith FM. But hey, you are listening to our show, and we are going to begin with our next Question for the quiz. We have been promoting this amazing book for our prize for this week for the quiz. It's going to be drawn on Friday, the unveiling, unveiling the kings of Israel, revealing the Bible's archaeological history. Do you want to give us our next quiz question? Happily. So this question is, which New Testament book has Jesus' Sermon on the Mount? Ah, okay. Oh, whoa. Yeah, good. Hey, look, if you know the answer, we, you know, I can't give any information away, but we, we, I will just say there has been clues throughout the, throughout the, uh, throughout the show that could potentially, maybe not give it away, but prolific. Anyways, hey, look, 0491-064-669 is the number to text. Again, our prize for this week, unveiling the kings of Israel, revealing the Bible's archaeological history. Do you want to read that question for us one more time? So which New Testament book has Jesus' Sermon on the Mount? Amazing. 0491-064-669. That is the number to text if you know the answer there. You guys have been sending in some text messages regarding what we've been sharing on the show so far. And some of them have just been really amazing. Um, beginning here with Freco, he sends in and says, Jesus said, I came to save us sinners. Thank you, Lord. And this is in response, talking about the Matthew Perry story, which we highlighted earlier for those who didn't hear it. Essentially, I was looking at, you know, when you hear the story of, or when, when the news report comes out of some like Hollywood celebrity death, if I'd be brutally honest and, and in a terrible sense, like I'm usually pretty cold to them. Like I, I usually see those stories and I think, yeah, fair enough. Like that was pretty likely going to happen, especially in the case of Matthew Perry, who has a history of drug abuse that is so storied. And we were talking about this a little bit in the break. You know, people people who go through drug abuse like this, you know, it, it affects their body for the rest of their life, and and particularly in regards to cardiac issues. And and they're saying so far that they believe that it was likely a cardiac arrest that that ultimately uh took his life and unfortunately took his life and so yeah when i when i initially read the story i'm like yeah this is another rich actor who again you know and we can we can we can use i think in some sense appropriate language but kind of harsh language of like yeah you know like this guy sold his soul to hollywood to to go and make it rich as an actor and 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 lost his life like that's that's the way it goes but we ultimately read his story and see that he had a very profound experience just a couple of years ago with the Lord that hasn't that enabled him to overcome his drug addiction, and he has passed away now. And and what we can ultimately, you know, what we can surmise, it's not us, our place to say whether he's saved or whether he's lost. But what we can say is that at some point Matthew Perry had an experience with the Lord that would definitely put him on that track. And Alan sends in this text message, which I think is so far text message of the week. Like this is amazing. I know we're only on Monday, but Alan wrote in and he said, Matthew Perry's story of prayer proves that camels can go through the eye of the needle. Amen. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Like again, Matthew Perry worth $120 million, incredible success, but in the one place in which he's lacking, which is, you know, um, the security and, and, and a sense of completeness and wholeness to say that, oh, I'm okay as a person. Like, he just did not have it. And where did he find it? In the Lord. Like, that, it's, that's an incredible, incredible story. Got another question coming through here from Wayne. Wayne writes in, is the war in Israel a sign of God slowly releasing the four winds uh, of, of heaven onto the earth? 
Now, this is a reference to the book of Revelation and the story that you have the four angels holding back the four winds of heaven. And they're at the time that they're about to release it, you know, Jesus comes into the scene and says, don't release the four winds. You know, for the servants of God need to be sealed in their forehead. And so as a result, the, the angels, they, they hold on to the four winds, but over time they're slowly releasing. Now these winds in the Bible are a symbol of strife and contention and war and these kinds of things. And Wayne asks, uh, is this a sign of the four winds being slowly released? And I'd say, Absolutely. I think that all of these wars that we see, again, what we have seen throughout recent history is a J-curve in the signs of Jesus' return. When we read Matthew chapter 24, and we read what Jesus says about the signs of his returns, he says, wars, rumors of wars, you know, earthquakes and pestilences and famines and whatnot. And we, we see those signs. And well, when you initially look at them, you say, wait, Wars, earthquakes, pestilences, famines, you know, like these are things that have happened since forever, right? But the specific way that God lays out those signs is that they would happen in this sense of, well, the, the illustration that he gives is of the birth pains. Travail. Yeah, Matthew, why is it that the the birth pains are applicable to these signs? And what insight do they give us about, you know, how they apply to Jesus' second coming? Oh, glad you asked because I've been in free... Uh, uh, kind of mercy wards where I saw my wife give birth in theatre. <laughs> Powerful. You, it, it, it's true when they say if it makes a man or breaks a man. It makes him want to run <laughs> if he can't handle what he's seeing or he stays there and through grace and he's able to dedicate his child like I was able to. Oh. Um, so basically they say there's a time when a woman's contractions happen more and more. Mm. Um, they intensify. Mm. So that travail, her suffering during that time of delivery or when she conceives, mm-hmm. it means that a crescendo of things are starting to happen where the sure. pains increase sure. um, before the ultimate, there's baby. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. there's contractions. And of course, my knowledge of this comes from my year eight biology class, uh, as I don't have children and I'm not married. Um, the the How those uh, contractions take place is that they start off infrequent and mellow and then as you get closer and closer to the baby arriving they increase in frequency and intensity and what we see taking place around the world regarding war pestilence earthquakes and famine is a dramatic in a dramatic and exponential increase of those things absolutely and so that that is the sign that jesus is coming back soon and to say that oh is the war in israel a sign of god slowly releasing the four winds of heaven again you know is 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 it a sign of strife coming upon the earth because jesus is coming soon Man, absolutely. And and what we've been talking about here, and as Justin said, you know, he can reflect in his own life the fact that these these wars that are taking place and the the potential the dramatic potential of the shifting of this world and its perspectives and, and whatnot is is so so incredibly high that you know like for example, this is this is so interesting. This is so interesting. The the war in Ukraine is now seen as essentially like a almost a dead conflict. You know, a, a conflict that will likely be put to bed in favor of supporting a side in the Middle East for Russia at least because they will see that as as more profitable or something more worth their time to be able to do. During the war in Ukraine, you know, futurist Bible interpreters were saying, oh, this is Gog and Magog. This is, you know, Russ. This is Megiddo. Megiddo. Like, this is all this stuff, which, which we here at Faith of Him wholeheartedly see as an incorrect interpretation of the Bible. Uh, that, that they were like, oh, see, so, so Russia's the Antichrist and da 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 da. In, in a matter of months, it's now, we're now back to, Oh, Israel is where Armageddon's going to take place. Before it was Russia's going to be where Armageddon's going to take place. Now it's, nah, definitely it's Mount Megiddo. It's Israel. This is what's where it's going to go down. And, but like, again, so we can kind of highlight that from a, a spiritual point of view and from whatnot. But it does also highlight the fact that we just went from a, a war in the Ukraine, which looked like this is going to be the start, the spark of World War Three. Fizzles out. Now it's replaced by Hamas versus Israel, the spark of World War Three. Now, whether this is or is not 
well, we'll just have to see, you know. But what we can very much highlight is the the rate and the speed in which global politics and geopolitics is moving is unlike anything we've ever seen. Like a world war happened, yes, like all the way back in in nineteen, you know, the nineteen late nineteen thirties and the nineteen forties, and yes, it was a war where more people died in war than ever before, and lots of people got involved. But the speed we're seeing these wars conjure up, we've just never seen before. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Connect with us on 0491-064-669. Now, we could focus on what's happening in these wars. We could, you know, really dive deep into them. And I, th- I think, I think Pastor Justin, as we talked about, I think we substantially looked into those things. But there's definitely more that could be said. But the question for us, as people who are either followers of Christ or maybe endeavouring to follow Christ or considering whether they should follow Christ, what does this look like for our lives? You know, what does this look like for the day-to-day? What does this say about, hey, this is how I should be living or acting or this is what I should be doing? It's a huge question for us because ultimately we need to consider like where where is it that God has called us? You know, what is it that he has called us to be and called us to to do it's a huge question it's a huge question what is the leading of god should we take up arms and head over to israel now to fight this war should we should we should we be you know battening down the hatches here in australia like making our doomsday bunker preparing it getting it ready so that we can uh be saved and 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 not have to experience maybe the the nuclear fallout that could come from from this conflict whatever it may be or the persecution that might come upon christians what is god calling us to do right now i want to start by going to our highlight verse for this week of Bible study, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8. If you can get that for us, please, Matthew. And we're going to consider what is it that God is actually calling us to do? What is he calling us to be? Can you read that for us? Isaiah 6 and verse 8. Indeed. And it says here, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. Mm. Powerful verse here. Here am I, send me. Obviously, this is from the story of Isaiah, God looking upon the 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 evils that are taking place on, on the earth, and particularly the unfaithfulness of those in Israel and their struggles, and he looks upon this situation. And, you know, the, the question is, who is it that is going to bring a message to the Lord, to the world? And Isaiah stands up and says, hey, despite the conflict that's taking place, despite the evil that's taking place, despite the idolatry that's taking place, send me, Lord, the most important objective that we have to complete as those who are servants of God is to share his message and to share the gospel with the world before his return. And obviously, the context of Isaiah is before his first coming and the context for us, well, much before his first coming is some, some 600, 700 years before his first coming. But for us as people who are standing on the precipice of eternity with Christ soon coming, happening soon, our call is to, to share the gospel. What's your perspective on that, Matthew? You know, where, where, how do we, how do we line up those important tenets of our life? And where do we sit the sharing of the gospel aspect in terms of, you know, the order of priority? Yeah, that's a great question, actually, and very relevant in today's current kind of uh, climate. Mm. In fact, uh, for me personally, I realized that what are the roadblocks to doing God's gospel? And if the enemy were doing his work, he'll make sure he'll hit us in the areas that are... wow that are hard-hitting. Like, wow. Um, he'll personally try and trip us over. Mm-hmm. So relating to the verse you just, I just read regarding, mm. um, you know, Isaiah, who, sh- who shall go? Send me. I, don't, I strongly believe that Isaiah's not saying that from, send me, I'm the best man you've got. No, I think, yeah. Because God is looking around, who, who can I send? You know, mm. Because the world is, is such a, a rife, you know, there's no one good on the earth. Who can I send? And you know, can you imagine um, Isaiah putting his eyes up, seeing, seeing the unwillingness, 
seeing his own unfitness, but he's saying, Lord, regardless of my not being um, you know, fully qualified, mm. I'm available. Wow. That's powerful. And especially considering the, the situation that Isaiah's just had, actually the experience in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah spends the first period of his ministry walking around telling everyone, woe is you. Like, like he's called to be a prophet from God and he walks around and he's just like, sees the idolatry of the people, sees the unfaithfulness of the people and the kings and whatnot. He's like, woe is you, woe is you, you've fallen short, you failed, like you are, you guys are terrible servants of the Lord, you are just awful and you're single-handedly causing the destruction of our country and our kingdom. And then Isaiah is actually taken to heaven in vision and this interesting situation, he actually, he sees the glory of God. He yes. sees the brightness and the glory and the righteousness of God. And again, Isaiah's been walking around with that attitude of like, I'm man, like everyone else is unfaithful. I'm the only faithful one. And he sees the brightness and the glory of God. And he says, actually, woe is me. Woe is me. Woe is me. He, he recognizes incredibly, like in a very stark sense, he says like, I am a person with a broken and fallen nature. Mm. I am full of sin and guilt. God, woe is me. And this amazing little, you know, situation happens. He's, he, the, the angel touches his mouth with a coal and he gets, you know, purified. It's very symbolic and, and, and whatnot. But then the question comes up again, like, who am I going to send? And again, Isaiah, the one who has recognized and realized, like, I am unrighteous. I am unfit. Woe is me. He still lives up to the call that God had given. Absolutely. And that's a quote that goes like this, that God doesn't call the qualified. Classic. But he qualifies the called. Mm -hmm. And if we just answer that, then we're able to go on this process of a journey that God has available, especially when knowing that some folk feel, I shouldn't go when God calls because Mm. um, I'm not ready. Mm -hmm. But if they only realize that, Readiness can happen when you are doing God's will mm-hmm. and you're focusing on the hurt and brokennesses of others in the process. That's right. He's working on you as well. Even furthermore, I think there at times for people can be a sense of God hasn't called me. Mm-hmm. God hasn't called me. And I would wholeheartedly disagree. I, I think that God has given all people, all his followers, a genuine calling to go. But when we don't recognize it, we don't get to experience it. Or when we don't respond to it, we don't get to experience it. And we can delude ourselves into thinking, no, God hasn't called me. Um, God has called everyone. He's called everyone. God has called everyone to be used by him, to be his servant, and in some way to be proliferators of the gospel. And you may not be called to be a preacher, but he didn't call just preachers. He called people to be his hands and feet. He called yeah. people to make disciples, make disciples, which happens through is very in a very holistic sense. You know, you look at the the model of the early church. What was it that they did? They opened the word. They prayed together. They broke bread together. They they spent time together. They went from house to house. They participated in charity. All of these different things. You are called to that process, and that's the 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 outtake that. The thing that we hope you take out of our study this week, where we're actually looking at someone who consistently resisted the call of God, yet in an incredibly roundabout way, ended up fulfilling it. And that is the story of Jonah. He is our highlighted character for this week for our 20 Million Movement Bible study. And we are going to see the way that Jonah was completely unwilling to do the work of the Lord, yet had found himself fulfilling that calling in the small ways that he eventually conceded and said, okay, yes, God, I'll do your work. And and I think it ultimately shows a few things. It shows firstly the grace of God uh, to work with broken and unwilling and obstinate people such as Jonah, which is definitely a reflection of us. Uh, but but furthermore, though, not only that God would work with them, but how God can work with them, that we see one of the greatest turnings to the Lord, one of the greatest moments of repentance in potentially the whole Bible, like uh, stories of stories of conversion that you would just never even expect to take place. 
It's a great kind of reference there as you're leading up to it, uh, Lawson, about Jonah, the story we're looking at. Mm. And this is the other way the enemy can attack. And it's placing this mentality that we can suffer from as Christians. It's woe am I, mm. victim, the victim, victim. Uh, mentality. Yeah. Oh, look, us Christians, we're, we're, we're attacked at the moment. I'm wow. attacking our values. I mean, Ooh. look at the war in Palestine and Israel. Oh, man, that God's chosen people being attacked. And oh, wow. this is wrong. You know, well, how they, yeah, really, God doesn't want us to be focusing on that. He wants to focus on the gospel. Yeah. It's about reconciliation. Well, we're going to open that up. We're going to see all about it in our next segment. Right now, though, you guys are going to be listening to Anna Beaton, Fill Your Lungs. And hey, let us know how you feel about missions. 0491 Let us know about the call and what it means to you. Right now, again, Anna Beaton, Fill Your Lungs. Come, it will come. 
That was Anna Beaton with Fill Your Lungs. You're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning here on Faith FM. You're joined by myself, Lawson. we got Matthew in hey. the studio as well, getting it done while Danuta is away. We've also got Pete filling in for producer Shell as she is away too. And we are going to have our next question for the quiz, our final question for today. Gladly, and our final question is, in Revelation, Jesus says, Do not be afraid. I am the blank and the blank. Oh, powerful. Hey, 0491-064-669, that is the number to text. You know the answer to our question, and if you know the answer to that question, again, like so many people have been sending in answers this morning, bunch of correct answers, which has been amazing to see. The more questions that you answer correctly, the more chances you have in the draw. So you can just like send one in and be like, yep, I'm in, you know, I'm in it to win it. Hey, but it doesn't cost you anything. You know, this isn't a raffle. You don't need to buy more tickets. You just need to answer as many questions as possible. And the more questions you answer, the more chances that you have to go into the draw to win our amazing prize, which for this week, which is unveiling, you know, biblical archaeology, looking at the kings of Israel, the amazing book that we have, just a full-on, I, I imagine, this isn't a book that I've read before, I'll do some a little bit more research into it, and I can maybe share some, some more with you guys tomorrow, but it's just fully, fully getting into, like, who it is that, that God is and how he worked through the amazing kings and whatnot of Israel and looking at that from a historical archaeological perspective. It's, it's awesome. Awesome, awesome resource. We want to give it to you absolutely for free. 0491-064-669. I, I made a bit of a boo-boo there. I was supposed to read four options. Oh, give me this. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll read, I'll read okay. The oh, okay. The, so the it's multiple choice. Let's go. Is, in Revelation, Jesus says, do not be afraid. I am the blank and the blank. I am the, is it the first and the last? Is it the way and the truth, the life and the truth, or the lion and the lamb? Ah, awesome, awesome. If you know the answer to that one, 0491-064-669. All right, hey, let's jump into our Bible study again. We are going to pick it up with some passages from Nahum as well as Second Kings to get a perspective on Assyria and Israel, Nineveh, kind of put ourselves into the archaeology, you know, the, the world that uh, and the history that Jonah would have been in. So, Matthew, if you want to pick it up for us, actually, can you get us in the book of Nahum, chapter 1, verse 1, and then we'll read... 3, verse 1 to 4. But just start with Nahum 1 and verse 1 for us. Will do. And that verse in Nahum 1, verse 1 says, The burden against Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, the Elkishite. Mm. That's our first verse today. Yeah, so we have this vision of him in Nahum 1, verse 1. Can you jump up to verse chapter 3, verse 1 to 4, if you can read that for us? Gladly. And I'll just make a note on that last verse I just read. It says, against Nineveh, not yeah. for it, against it. So they have a pro- he has a proclamation here, against Nineveh. And then if you want to get chapter 3, verse 1 to 4 there. Chapter 3, verse 1 to 4 says, Woe to the, excuse the language folk, um, it says, to the bloody city, meaning a city of... Of the result of war. Mm-hmm. Woe to the bloody city. It is all full of lies and robbery. Wow. Its victim never departs. The noise of a whip and the noise of rattling wheels, of galloping horses, of clattering chariots, horsemen charged with bright sword and glittering spear. There is a multitude of slain, a great number of bodies, countless corpses. They stumble over the corpses. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we see here this woe brought against Assyria, and well, and then a description of of conquest and whatnot that they had done. Like this, this place sounds well not particularly fondly uh, regarded to by Nahum and by God. We we further have like the, a description of 
Israel being carried captive to Assyria here in 2 Kings chapter 17. It says, Now the king of Assyria went throughout all the land and went up to Samaria and besieged it for three years. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away to Assyria and placed them in Hala by the, by the Habor, the river of Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes. And like this this description of Assyria and what kind of city they were like, you know, or what kind of, well, not only Assyria as a nation, Nineveh as a city, do they sound like a, a tame and peaceful people here? Oh, absolutely not. They sound quite the opposite. That uh, The imagery that comes to mind is a, um, a ravaging Viking nation yeah. that were known for their pillaging. Of other places. Absolutely. Like, they just operated in this sense of if we establish fear in the hearts of our enemies, we will defeat them before we even arrive. So demoralize them. And the way that they did this is just insane. Like, the way that they do this is that they would set up billboards, like big tablets of stone, around the Near East and around, you know, the borders of their kingdom. And on those tablets and on those engravings and whatnot in, in buildings and in stones and, and, and whatnot around the place, they would uh, depict the, the killing and the mutilation of the nobility of other countries that they have captured. And they would do so just to make the people around them fear. Oh, yeah. This was this was their tactic. They're like, if we rule by fear, if we win by fear, then we'll ultimately we'll defeat the people before we even get there. It kind of reminds me of like uh, like the psychological aspect to the way that they would kind of play the game. Kind of reminds me of like the New Zealand hucker type deal. Not that it was as brutal or as or as you know evil as as what was taking place there. But the whole idea of the hucker is like, oh, if we put on this performance and this display, like we can have a psychological advantage over our enemies by inciting shock and awe. That's right, and, and well, now the application of that is mostly you know in footy and then the World Cup, to which it didn't work over the weekend actually. The with uh, with the Springboks, you know, winning the World Cup in in the rugby. But yeah, it's like hey, if we can incite fear, then then we'll win, and that's exactly what the Assyrians would do. And for Jonah, again, we're, we're profiling Jonah here and we're seeing the reasons why he felt as though, hey, maybe I shouldn't go and be a prophet to and, and proclaim a message to Assyria that they should repent. The first step here is that he was probably absolutely fearful for his life. And that was because these Assyrians were known as an incredibly hard and difficult people who were willing to just kill and mutilate and destroy uh, you know, their enemies and had been successful in their com- campaigns against Israel thus far. And so for and Israel, again, at the time that Jonah is functioning as a micro nation, you know, the, the northern kingdoms of Israel with no real military power or might to brag about. And so for Jonah in this situation, like you could say from, from the outside perspective, it's like, oh, it's totally reasonable that he was scared to do this work. But God did not see that as an excuse worthy to stop him to do the work because God would be with him throughout it. And that's what we see in his... We're going to continue to highlight this story of Jonah. We're going to continue to see the way it is that God works through this story and the way that that Jonah eventually lived up to the calling that God had given him despite his reluctance. But we are going to continue on right now. We've got the song, I Know That My Redeemer Lives by Dan Koch. And we'll be back, hey, after this with some answers to the quiz.
Faith FM Breakfast Show, positively different radio. Forever to the end, forever to the end, 
forever to the end. That was the corner room with Psalm 119, 105 to 112. Hey, we've come to the time where we don't have any questions. We just have answers. And so let's run through them if you can get those for us, Matthew. Gladly. So what instrument did David play? And the answer is... Is harp. Yeah, or the lyre, the harp or the lyre, which is essentially like, I couldn't imagine it's, you know, you know, those big harps that exist now with like however many strings they have or whatever. It's probably more along the line of like, well, I wouldn't say a guitar because it didn't have a neck that you could probably manipulate the sound of a single string, but it was probably like a likely maybe a seven string or a ten string, like a portable harp, you know, something that you could carry around and he would play. He'd play awesome songs and and sing along. Absolutely. It had to be small and light and able to be portable to go around. Yeah, that's right. Oh, man, I I really... I wish I could have... Like, I... I play a fair few stringing instruments, you know, guitars and basses and stuff like that. And oh, I'd love to give it a go. I'd love if we if we had like an accurate, accurate like representation of what it was that he played. Oh man, I'd love to play it. Absolutely, especially when it delivered demons out of people too. Apparently. Yeah, yeah it had out of King Saul. Yeah, profound spiritual power as well, and and you know, and I think music has that same power today. Like when we sing and and worship God with positive godly music like it does draw us closer to him and draw us further away from certain evil and I think vice versa as well absolutely, absolutely. especially from the gloom mm. I've got that second answer for the next question which is finish this verse from first Thessalonians pray without ceasing ceasing yeah that's right it's just continue to pray like that's what God has called us to do is uh Uplift all in prayer and and lean on him for all things. See, and how many days and nights did Jesus fast? That's forty. Forty days of fasting. Have you ever fasted for forty days? No, but I fasted for one week, and that was a killer. Yeah, I, I'm actually saying I'm <laughs> saying I've done I've done seven days yeah. on like like water fasting, so only drinking water, water and uh, because I'm not like man to. To try and fast, no water as well. I, we we likely we estimate that Jesus did have water when he was fasting for those forty days in the desert. But yeah, one week is that was pretty. That's pretty gnarly. You're finding a lot of mood swings too. Yeah, the man, and just like just a constant like feeling of just just fatigue. Yep. Just, just, he's just like the way your skin feels, the way that everything feels is just, oh, this is low. Yeah, intense, incredible. But of course, Jesus, you know, reenacting the 40 days in the wilderness of the children of Israel. And yet, unlike the children of Israel who kind of fumbled in their, in their period in the wilderness, Jesus spends his time faithfully, you know, those 40 days in the wilderness fasting and as a result of the temptation as well, doesn't budge, doesn't fold, but upholds, you know, godly principles and morals and and up and says to Satan, you know, don't do not tempt the Lord. That's right. Absolutely. And we got that uh, next question, which is in Revelation, Jesus says, do not be afraid. I am the... Yep. So- Revelation one seventeen. That's right. He's the first and the last. That was the answer there. The other answers, potential answers, was the way and the truth, the life and the truth, the line and the lamb. But the answer in Revelation 
one seventeen. I'm the first and the last. And he goes on to say, I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, like making it just very clear. Like, and I, I, I this is a very, very, very insightful passage because it ultimately shows, you know, what is Jesus first and last of? What is he beginning and end of? Like, he is God. Amen. Like that, that's what he's claiming. We've also got the one there as well. Which New Testament book has Jesus seven on the Mount? The answer to that one was, of course, Matthew. Well, Matthew, your, your namesake, <laughs> uh, firstly, but also we talked about Matthew Perry and, yeah. and, and whatnot throughout the show. And so I was like, Oh, guys, you, you might, you might know the answer to this one. We've been inferring to, 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 this this answer right throughout the show, but hey, congratulations everyone who got questions correct. You, you know, I can see Pete tirelessly working here in the studio, writing down the names, making sure everyone is in, and your correct answers are recorded so that you can get into the draw for our amazing prize this week as well. So great job, good hustle on the work down getting those answers correct, and continue to play. The- the quiz throughout the week so that you can win that prize too. We're going to continue on right now. This is Matt and Josie Minicus with Kindness. When the hard words have been spoken When the feelings have run strong both of us are certain that the other one is wrong We've deeply felt the difference As we stood to plead our cause Maybe we should call a ceasefire Take time to recall kindness. There is always room to show some kindness, kindness. There is always room. Views. They both might be mistaken, but they both cannot be true. But before we pull the trigger, hold out your new jihad. Can we trust in something bigger? Give this battle up to God. Kindness, kindness. There is always room to show some kindness, kindness. There is always. Questions here are big ones High as heaven, deep as hell But until we walk together Or until we say farewell Kindness Kindness There is Kindness, kindness. 
That was Matt and Josie Minicus with kindness. A very incredible, incredibly, I should say, poignant song to the situation that is happening right across the world right now. You are joined in the studio by myself, Lawson, my amazing co-host, Matthew, as well. And we are finishing off the show this morning by, hey, just... Giving you some 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 thoughts, some conclusionary thoughts. We got Matthew in the studio this morning, struggling a little bit with our headphones set up. Yeah, that's that's usually how it goes. So, uh, oh, I could give you a little bit of a tour. Okay, Matthew, what I want you to do. Yep. So on that on that ear that is currently not sitting on your head. Yeah. So flip flip. Yep, like that. Yep. Like that. Flip it and now now turn it. There you go. Oh, Too easy. Down. Yeah, we've got like studio headphones here in the studio, like the, the fancy audio technical ones and that, that swivel all around the place. And sometimes they get all weird and hooked up. But hey, <laughs> Matthew, nah, you're doing a fantastic job, man. You've, you've killed it. You've been doing great. We've got you for the rest of the week in here filling in for Danuta. But hey, we've come to the time where we give you guys a prize. Well, a, 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 Something that's completely for free. We, we don't, we don't, you don't need to answer any questions. All you have to do is be the first person to text through at 0491-064-669. And the book that I have for you guys this morning, What Kind of Power Is This? A Jesus, the Miracle Worker by Ray Markham. This book is absolutely, again, free, an amazing book looking at the power of Jesus, the miracles that he did throughout his life, looking at the way that he was able to, to beat evil with them. Again, just text us at book 0491-064-669. And remember to talk faith, to live faith, act faith, and you'll grow strong in Jesus Christ. Do we meet?